Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from the Debbie Matthews Nashville Realty Newsroom in Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, February 22nd, and we start with local news. Murray County's efforts to enact an impact fee on new construction may be gaining a more receptive audience on Capitol Hill during 2024, according to State Representative Scott Sapicki. The County Powers Relief Act, enacted in 2006, limits the ability of counties or municipalities to increase impact fees via private acts of the legislature. Currently, Murray County's rates are $0.50 cents per square foot for residential construction and $0.30 cents for non-residential. County officials have said Murray County, which has experienced record growth in recent years, is losing out on millions of dollars in revenue and that county infrastructure, including schools, is suffering as a result. Representative Scott Sapicki proposed a bill last year to address the situation, but that bill failed by a 5-3 to three vote in a House subcommittee. A similar bill passed the Tennessee Senate in 2022, but failed in the House. In a recent interview, Representative Sapicki indicated that a potential compromise with builders and realtors, both of whom vehemently opposed Sapicki's bill in 2023, might be in the works. Representative Sapicki referenced two bills that, if passed, could bring as much as $12 million annually into Murray County's coffers. The first, House Bill 1629, would require half of the unencumbered revenue from the recordation tax to be distributed to counties for school debt and school capital projects. I presented a bill on the real estate transfer tax, half of that money coming back to Murray County, which would be roughly between $6 million and $7 million, to be used for our schools, our school maintenance, and our school debt, Sapicki said. We're looking for funding right now. It's a tough budget year but everyone agreed that this is probably a worthwhile effort to help out our districts and the upkeep of our schools, he said. Sapicki also referenced a bill being carried by Representative Tim Hicks that would, he said, allow for an increase in local impact fees by letting high-growth counties opt into the County Powers Relief Act. It's a compromise we have worked on with the builders, Sapicki said. It's $1.50 for residential, so Murray County would go from $0.50 cents to $1.50 and $1.50 on commercial, which means Murray County would go from $0.30 cents to $1.50. Sapicki estimated the second bill would generate as much as $5 million for Murray County. Again, the increase would be required to be used for school capital projects or for school debt. We're trying to create multiple tools and multiple revenue sources because you can't rely on one revenue source long-term, Sapicki said. We're trying to do things we think are fair for everyone. In addition, a county commission would be able to raise those rates every four years by 10%, subject to a two-thirds vote, to allow for inflation. A planned amendment would also allow Murray County to return to the original rates if growth slows, Sapicki said. Representative Sapicki acknowledged the work done so far, but noted there is a long way to go. The builders have really come a long way in support of this program. We are still hoping to get the realtors on board, Sapicki said. Murray County commissioners authorized up to $100,000 in funding for a lobbyist to promote its efforts for an impact fee during the 2024 legislative session. During the January commission meeting and a meeting of the Ad Hoc Growth Committee on February 5th, commissioners heard on the legislative efforts to allow Murray County to increase its current adequate facilities tax. If you feel like you're alone, 
just know that Williamson County, Hamilton County, Rutherford County, Davidson County have all hired lobbyists. Lobbyist James Dunn said at the January meeting, The state is coming up short on some revenues. Revenues are a little bit short, too, so it's going to be a challenge to increase revenues at a time when the state may be looking at making some cuts itself, or at least revenues falling flat, he said. Commissioners noted their lobbying dollars seem to be making a difference in Nashville. A couple of years ago, if you would have asked me if I would be supporting anything that had anything to do with lobbyists, I would have told you no, said Commissioner Gabe Howard. After the last legislative session last year, I saw the value of what lobbyists really do bring to the table. The things we're going after are not partisan conversations, but legislation that really matters for growing communities like ours, he said. We see economic development coming through Spring Hill, Columbia, Murray County as a whole, and Williamson County, added then-Commissioner Vincent Fuqua, who has since resigned his seat on the commission. If this community continues to grow at the pace that it is without somehow supplementing our needs financially, this county and others will go under in terms of economic growth, he said. County Mayor Sheila Butt said she looked forward to the possibility of relief for Murray County as well, stating, One of the most important things that needs to happen for property taxpayers in Murray County is for development to have skin in the game and help the county pay for schools, as well as fire protection, ambulance services, and other things mandated by the state for the county to provide. For property owners who have lived here many years and have been paying for those services, it is absurd for them to pay for all of the new services required by development, because the only tool we have to pay for growth is property taxes, she said. I also sincerely believe that we have to ask developers willingly to invest more in our community. Also, we need to begin thinking outside the box when it comes to building schools. I will continue working with legislators and our county commission to find multiple ways to grow responsibly so that we can maintain the great quality of life we have in Murray County, she said. The Murray County Commission took its first steps in planning to use the county's historic courthouse as a partial museum once the new Murray County Judicial Center on North Main Street is completed. A request to approve a concept for the courthouse's future use received unanimous approval on Tuesday. I want to thank everybody on this commission because we are preserving history at this point, Commission Chair Eric Previtti said. This is something that for a long time has been discussed, and here we are taking those first baby steps. We are all making this happen, he said. According to the resolution, the concept includes repurposing the courthouse's first floor to serve as a county museum. The second floor would serve as the county mayor's office, as well as a meeting room for the county commission and grand jury room. The third floor would be used as a secured area for circuit court judges and their staff. Commissioner Previtti added that cost estimates would come at a later date and that the resolution is merely a concept to discuss. We're not spending any money right now. This is just us saying, hey, this is an idea, what we want to look at, Praviti said. So there are no expenditures at this point, he said. The resolution also includes publishing a request for qualifications for individuals or groups to provide guidance on potential costs, building codes, and ensuring the project is in compliance with all applicable laws. There are going to be lots of talks, lots of meetings to be made afterwards, lots of decisions to be made, but we are going to tell Murray County's story, Praviti said. On its third try, the Mount Pleasant Commission accepted a bid for its downtown revitalization project during a special called meeting on Monday, February 12th. 
in July and again in October of 2023. Commissioners had, commissioners had previously rejected bids for the project after deeming the cost as too high. The city received two bids this time from Floyd and Floyd and Nickel Brothers for roughly $6.567 million and from Adams Contracting LLC for roughly $6.76 million. Commissioners unanimously approved the bid from Adams, noting that Floyd had been unresponsive to parts of the bid requirements, meaning the state likely would not sign off on their bid. The mindset on this third go-around was to remove the light poles from the bid so that we could purchase them directly and save about 30% markup, City Manager Kate Collier told the board. It did come down some, but not as much as we would have liked, she said. The approval also authorizes the mayor to execute a contract with Adams Contracting, in 2018, the city was awarded one and a quarter million dollars in grant monies from the Tennessee Department of Transportation. Last year, the city was awarded an additional $1.825 million in funds from the state to complete phase two of the project. The commissioner's packet, which is available via the city's website, calls for an additional one and a half million dollars in bonds, a half a million dollars from the state street aid fund balance, a pledged $569,000 from Mount Pleasant Power System, and an additional receipt of $800,000 in state transportation alternative programs funding. In addition, Collier said the city expected to receive approximately $85,000 in state street aid funds for the current fiscal year that could go toward the project, and a similar amount for the 2024-2025 fiscal year sometime after October 1. Mayor Bill White said he was pleased to see the project finally able to proceed. If we hadn't been working on this for 12 to 14 years already, and if we didn't have $300,000 to $400,000 tied up in this, I'd punt this, the mayor said. But we've got that kind of time and investment right now in money. For us to walk away from this knowing what kind of money is available, it's a no-brainer, he said. The project will include improvements spanning from the front of the Mount Pleasant Grill to Church Street on both sides of the street, including the square in front of City Hall. Further changes will include upgrades to sidewalks, which would be added from 3rd Avenue to Gray Lane along North Main Street. When construction might begin or a timeline for completion was not immediately available. We feel like we're ready to move forward with this, Collier said. There's still a few days left for Murray County voters to cast their ballots in the upcoming March 5th presidential preference primary and county primary election. Early voting began last Wednesday, February 14th, and will continue through next Tuesday, February 27th. Voting hours are 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday and 8 a.m. to noon on Saturday. All early voting must be made at the Murray County Election Commission's main office located at 1207 Trade Winds Drive in Columbia. Offices on the ballot include U.S. President, Murray County Public School Board Districts, even seats 2, 4, 6, 8, and 10, Republican delegates, and constable for Districts 7 and 11. Voters will be given the option of casting their votes via a paper ballot, which is approved by the Election Commission in 2022. Voters can fill out a ballot before entering it into a tabulator machine, which will be counted and processed. The process is not much different from a typical voting machine, just filled out on paper and fed through a separate counting device. Murray Administrator of Elections Chris McKinley said the first few days turnout are as to be expected and in the lower numbers, which are typical, especially for a primary election. It's been kind of as, as expected and we have the capacity for a lot more, McKinley said. If there are a significant number of people who want to come down and vote, that would be great. We could accommodate them easily. 
However, McKinley said this is just the start of what will hopefully be an exciting election year, which includes a presidential election in November and that it draws a large voter turnout for Murray County. We are looking forward to this year's election and just seeing how we can watch Murray County do it with excellence, McKinley said. We are going to do a great job and are prepared and ready for it. There's a lot of great experience in our office. Visit the Murray County Election Commission's website at www.murraycounty-tn.gov for early voting information and to see a sample ballot. The City of Columbia broke ground Monday on a long-awaited renovation project to upgrade and expand what has been Columbia Fire and Rescue's home base for nearly five decades. The project to renovate Fire Station No. 1 dates back nearly 10 years as the current facility, which opened in 1979, began to show signs of age and deterioration. There were also opportunities to modernize the 1000 South Garden Street Fire Hall in a number of ways, such as constructing separate dormitories for men and women. Columbia City Council approved the $4.8 million project in December after nearly a year and a half of preliminary design and engineering work, as well as budgeting and waiting for the opportune time to get underway. This is more than just a remodel, it's an expansion, Columbia Fire Chief Ty Cobb said. The renovation project will be overseen by architect George Newber and Brindley Construction. In addition to the east and west dorms, the 13,675-square-foot facility is getting a new training center and community room, kitchen space, as well as having the building upgraded to modern energy code standards. It's a privilege to work alongside folks who have important needs in this community for a facility that needs to function well, architect Nuber said. This really provides a good environment for firefighters to work in, he said. Fire Station No. 1 will also upgrade its use as an emergency shelter, equipped to withstand winds up to an F3 tornado. This would also provide backup power for its command center and IT department to remain operational during severe weather events. Additional parking will also be added to the rear of the building, as well as a new roof, which is expanded to maintain a 30-year lifespan. I'm honored to be part of a team of people to put this together, alongside our contractor, Brindley Construction, which I've worked with for several years now, Nuber said. I'm honored that this was a team effort to service this community to make sure you are getting a building that's going to last many decades to come, he said. City Manager Tony Massey said the project is expected to have a 12-month construction timeline and that the city would have a pretty solid estimate around the holiday season. By Christmas time, if we're not finished, hopefully we'll be close to finishing, Massey said. This project dates back to when Tommy Hemphill was chief back in 2016 and 2017, so it's a very long time coming. Monday ceremony to kick off the renovation project took place at the fire hall, with attendance from many city officials, current and former firefighters, chiefs, and supporters. Vice Mayor Randy McBroom shared his appreciation for being part of the vote that moved the project forward and that providing the best environment possible for Columbia's first responders is a top priority. I'm glad to see this place is getting a remodel, McBroom said, and we wanted the city to show that we have y'all's back. We want this to be the best place to come and work, he said. Massey added the renovation was a long time coming and that Fire Station No. 1 has not only served as Columbia Fire and Rescue's main headquarters, but as a symbol for the history and success, success the department has shown and will continue to show for decades to come. Many have lived here, worked here, protected the city from this building for past generations, Massey said. The present generations and future generations of firefighters will continue to protect our community from this building, he said. 
And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mrs. Ann Derryberry Wright, 102, former resident of Columbia, died Tuesday, February 13th at Claiborne and Hughes Nursing and Rehab in Franklin. A graveside service will be conducted on Friday, February 23rd at 2 p.m. at Mount Hope Cemetery in Franklin. Mrs. Loretta Hensley Ballard, 79, died Friday, February 16th at Life Care Center of Columbia. A graveside service will be conducted on Friday, February 23rd at 3 p.m. at Ridgecrest Cemetery in Jackson, Tennessee. The family will visit with friends on Thursday from 4 to 8 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Mr. William Porter King, 88, retired professor and longtime resident of Columbia, died Sunday at Poplar Estates. A memorial service will be conducted on Saturday at 11 a.m. at West 7th Street Church of Christ. Burial will follow in Worley Cemetery in the Hampshire community. The family will visit with friends on Friday from 4 to 7 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home and Saturday from 10 a.m. until the time of the service at the church. Mrs. Matilda Couch Baird, 84, died Monday at Murray Regional Medical Center. A memorial service will be conducted on Sunday, February 25th at 2.30 p.m. at Mount Pleasant First United Methodist Church. The family will visit with friends one hour prior to the service at the church. Burial will follow at Zion Presbyterian Church. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home is making the, the arrangements for the service. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies today with light rain developing this afternoon. Some thunderstorms are possible. The high will be 62 degrees with winds out of the south-southwest at 10 to 20 miles per hour. There's a 70% chance of rain today. Tonight, we can expect more showers with possible thunderstorms overnight. The low will be 46 degrees with winds out of the northwest at 5 to 10 miles per hour. The chance of overnight rain? 90%. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Debbie Matthews grew up and lives in beautiful Columbia, Tennessee. As a realtor, she is well-versed in homes, neighborhoods, development, and schools. She wants to share her love of her home state with others to help them find just the right place to raise a family, open a business, or develop a dream. From luxury listings to land, she can handle it all. She is the current leading producer, Nashville Realty Group. Contact Debbie Matthews Realtor at 615-476-3224. That's 615-476-3224. Family first. <laughs> My dad used to tell us that all the time. 
But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Bank with First Farmers and you can bank with confidence. With personalized solutions, dedicated experts, and over a century of experience, First Farmers lets you feel secure and empowered in your financial choices. This is Felicia Brown with First Farmers, and I would like to remind you that no matter your goals, First Farmers is here for you. Visit MyFirstFarmers.com or call 1-800-882-8378 to switch to First Farmers today. Member FDIC. This is Trey Adcock with Dixie Equipment Sales and Rental. We sell ASV and Wacker Noisen equipment. We also rent a wide variety of compact equipment in the Middle Tennessee area. Come see us. We are located in Columbia, Tennessee at 200 East 16th Street. You can call us at 615-969-0118 or visit our website at www.dixiediesel.com. We have been in business for over 42 years and we would love to help you turn your project into reality. Deciding what your next home will look like, cost in construction, or timing can be intimidating. At The Wave Realty, our licensed general contractors help take the fear out of home building by walking you through the step-by-step process of estimating the cost and designing the look that you desire. You can even stay in your house until your new house is finished. Do you have a family farm or a piece of land you would like to build on? Our prices start at $195 a square foot and include brick and nice finishes. Come by our office and see what we can do for you at 800 Hatcher Lane in Columbia or call us at Southern Middle Tennessee today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7. This program is sponsored in part by George Vrylis and the great team at The Way Realty. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Tennessee lawmakers are days away from a first vote on Governor Bill Lee's proposed statewide school choice program. 
According to an advanced copy of the legislation, Lee's final Education Freedom Scholarships proposal would offer taxpayer-funded grants to 20,000 students to attend private schools of their choice without any annual TCAP testing or other state-monitored accountability measures for participating students. Senate Majority Leader Jack Johnson filed the final text of the governor's bill on Wednesday. The bill will be up for consideration in the Senate Education Committee next week, stated Senate Republican Caucus spokesperson Molly Gormley. I think it's important that we give parents an opportunity to choose another alternative for their kids, Johnson told reporters during a recent news conference. Little has changed in the week since an early draft of the bill was obtained. As finalized for introduction, the governor's proposal does not include any testing or accountability requirements for participating students. Students in public schools are required to complete testing each year, as are students who, as are students who participate in the existing education savings account program, a school voucher plan for Davidson, Shelby, and Hamilton counties. This is a parental rights bill. This is giving choice to parents to pick an education alternative that is best for their child, Johnson said. It may be that their child has unique learning needs. I'm very cautious about imposing everything that we impose on our public education system on these other alternatives, he said. Ultimately, parents will make the decision about final accountability, in my view, Johnson added. In the first year, 10,000 slots would be reserved for students whose families fall under 300% of the federal poverty level, about $90,000 per year for a family of four. The remaining 10,000 scholarships would be open in 2024-2025 to any student who qualifies, regardless of family income. While participation would be capped at roughly 2% of Tennessee's school-aged children during the first year, universal eligibility for any Tennessee K-12 student, regardless of family income, would open beginning in 2025. Certain homeschoolers would be eligible to participate. Students would not be allowed to participate in both the state's existing education savings accounts program and the new Education Freedom Scholarship program at the same time. A fiscal analysis for the proposed amendment is not yet available. Lee has earmarked $141.5 million in his $52.6 billion proposed annual budget to kickstart the statewide program. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. Don't let pain keep you out of the game. Murray Regional Physical Therapy's experienced team of therapists can help you recover from surgery, injury, or illness by designing a plan that meets your unique needs. We utilize state-of-the-art equipment and proven techniques to help you get back to doing the things you love. Schedule a consultation at any of our convenient Southern Middle Tennessee locations by calling 931-380-4014. Murray Regional Health, where clinical excellence meets compassionate care. 
Have you ever wondered if your insurance needs can be personalized? This is Hunter Carey. Our team specializes in planning your insurance needs to get you the best possible solution. State Farm is the largest home and auto insurer in the country. I love bringing that to my hometown. Born and raised in Columbia, I'm grateful for our close community ties. We offer help with home, auto, and life insurance for everyone in our community. Our office is located at 909 South Garden Street, across from the fire station. We're also online at huntercary.com. That's huntercary.com. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. A Columbia Academy senior recently performed at the World Strides Honor Instrumental and Choral Performance at Carnegie Hall in New York City, the first CA student to be selected for the program. 17-year-old Emma Walker was one of 600 performers selected out of over 5,000 auditions. The performers were from 44 states, New Zealand, the Virgin Islands, Guam, and Korea. The Honors Performance Series was established to feature young musicians on stage with the goal of distinguishing talented student musicians in a once-in-a-lifetime performance. Walker, who is part of the treble choir, said she was nominated for the program by her teacher. She then submitted an audio recording to the conductors of the program before being selected. We rehearsed for a couple of days, she said. It was a total of 20 hours over three days. Walker's choir, which performed for 40 minutes, included songs in both English, Latin, and French. I was so happy to be there, Walker said of the opportunity. After our last song, I just burst into tears. My teacher told me to take it all in, and every time I did, I would start crying, she said. Walker plans on attending Western Kentucky University in the fall, where she will study music education and theater. I would like to end up on Broadway, but if that doesn't happen, I'll be a music teacher, she said. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on Kennedy Broadcasting WKOM WKRM Radio. If you ever miss a part or all of this broadcast, you can listen to it anytime or read the transcript online by visiting frontporchradiotn.com. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.